As you can see, we have our table set for our communion tonight. And before we take and receive our communion, let's, let's look at a word from uh, Scripture in Exodus chapter 12. There's 13 verses there. We'll read. I'm going to do it responsibly, so I'll read verse 1 and the odd verses, and you all together will read the even verses until we get to verse 13, and verse 13 we'll read together. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Together, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. All right, so we've read this passage because it tells us um, the God's rule and ordinance for the Passover lamb. We know uh, what that lamb um, signified then. It, uh, it was God's me message or sign for the people of Israel so that the death angel would not attack their household. Instead, it would pass by or pass over that household. And so the term Passover uh, was used. Um, now I want you to notice some of the requirements for that Passover animal. <clears throat> it says in verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. Verse 6, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. Now notice they took it on the 10th day. Let's see where that is. Um, verse 3. Verse two, 3, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb. All right, then... Verse 6, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. All right. Um, so there, there was um, instructions for what type of animal to take. 
It was to be a lamb. It was to be a male. It was to be without blemish. Now, there's reasons for the without blemish. First of all, the Passover lamb is a picture of Jesus. It's a clear picture of what Jesus provides. It's by his blood that God passes over us for judgment and instead takes on, uh, extends the grace. Jesus becomes the judgment for us. This lamb had to die. His blood had to be put on the doorpost so that uh, that household would be uh, rescued or delivered from death. <coughs> Jesus had to die. His blood had to be applied so that we would be um, forgiven of our sin and free of judgment from sin. Um, the, the, he says he was to be without blemish, and that was, again, a picture of Jesus. Uh, not his physical attractiveness, but his sinlessness, his sinless character is pictured here in a lamb without blemish. He was to be taken the 10th day, held until the 14th day. That was an examination period. That was so that this lamb indeed was qualified to be a lamb of sacrifice. He was shown not to have any sickness. He wasn't dying of some sickness. Um, and that was important for any sacrifice that Israel was to make. They weren't supposed to take you know, they weren't supposed to go in their herd and just pull out the poorest one they could find, one that was going to die anyway, so we might as well get rid of it and sacrifice it. No, that was not the idea. They were to give their best to, to the Lord. And so this lamb was to be a uh, healthy lamb, and not only health, healthy, but one without any blemish at all. So no, uh, no, no physical uh, traits that would mark it as, as an unacceptable animal. And again, that speaks of the, the uh, uh, sinless nature of Jesus. Over and over again, Scripture makes that uh, um, um, clear that Jesus is without sin. And that's so critical, so important a doctrine it is, because had he sinned in any way, he would be unqualified to pay for our sin. He would have to pay for his own sin. And since a life is required for sin, he would not have any opportunity to pay for anybody else. And so he is totally without sin, and that, that uh, shows him to be who he says he is because there hasn't been one since or will there ever be another afterwards who is without sin. That shows him in his deity to be God himself, to be holy, to be divine. He is the son of God, and he is equal uh, in his character with God the Father. So um, that is important that we see this aspect of the Lamb. Now, what does Passover have to do uh, with communion? We know that it was on what's called the Last Supper that Jesus was having the Passover meal, which was the supper, uh, with his disciples. And it's at that supper that he instituted um, what we would call the Lord's Supper uh, or communion. It was at that meal, at that gathering with all of his disciples, including Judas being there, um, that, that Jesus said, now, I'm going to take this Passover meal and I'm going to connect it. It's not just a Jewish ritual. I'm going to connect it with all those who trust in me. And he did that. Now, that was an amazing thing. First of all, he had the authority to do that. Passover was something that every Jew was to honor 
every year. And uh, um, they were to, to, to go, um, when Jerusalem was established, they were to go there and um, um, observe that Passover. And so um, Jesus took something that was clearly defined for the Jews, which they didn't fully understand, obviously. And he says, look, I'm going to change the whole ritual. I'm going to bring total significance to this thing. So now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, <clears throat> chapter 12. In chapter 11, I'm sorry. Verse 23, Paul instructs the Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So having eaten the Passover meal, he says, let me show you something. This bread has a new, um, new is a new symbol. This, this drink, this wine is a new symbol. It, it is a symbol, it symbolizes me, it symbolizes my body, it symbolizes my blood and the importance there. This is all before Jesus went to the cross. And so um, Paul has given instruction to believers after the cross, after the resurrection, and making the significance. And it's something that we practice to this very day, and we should continue to practice it until Jesus returns. So we are remembering. So notice the Old Testament <coughs> gave the exact same focus. It's just that people were doing it with, without, some were doing it without knowledge or without the fulfillment in sight. That'd be one way to say it. It's not that they didn't trust. Some did, obviously. But without the fulfillment in sight, they didn't realize that Jesus would be, this whole thing was not just to deliver Israel as great as that was. We, we read this morning about Moses and his work in, in, in being used of God to deliver Israel. That was a great thing. That was a huge thing. But they failed to realize that's just a picture. That's just a small sampling of what God does. And so he redeemed Israel from Egypt to show that he redeems all of his people, not just one nation, but folks from every nation he redeems, and he does it by the blood of Jesus. And so we celebrate, recognize that, we remember, uh, we reflect, we refresh ourselves in the truth uh, of the gospel tonight. I'm going to ask our leaders if they will come forward with me as we prepare for communion. In the instructions given for the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, um, we are to examine ourselves. We're not to take this lightly. So as we come and worship and fellowship, um, let's take time to examine ourselves. 
as something that we shouldn't have to rush and do right now. We should have known all week that communion was coming. We should have known this morning that it was coming. We should be preparing ourselves as we do for worship. And uh, we should, so we should be ready to do that. So let's bow our heads in, in a moment of silent prayer. I'm going to ask Brian to lead us in prayer after that silence as we just prepare our hearts for a worship that we do right now. Dear Lord, we pray, Lord, if there's any evil that is in our heart, Lord, that you would just bring that to our attention, Lord. Help us to confess that sin, Lord. Help us, first of all, Lord, to be open before you. But to be open before you is to be be open before our brothers and sisters, Lord. We have to have an attitude of confessing our sins and admitting our wrongs and being willing to say that I did something wrong. So I pray, Lord, that you get us into that mindset of humility, not of pride, not of holding on to rightness, no matter what facts are in our way. Help us to be those who are willing to admit that we may be guilty before all holy God. And so, Lord, we recognize your holiness, Lord. And as we approach your holiness, Lord, help us to reflect your holiness by acknowledging that we are not as holy as you are holy. We are not as righteous as you are righteous. And we fall short in many ways, Lord. Help us not to lie to ourselves, Lord, and believe that we have not done wrong, Lord. You know that we have done wrong. But we have to confess our sins, and you are willing to forgive us of our sins if we confess and forsake our sins. And Lord, we know, Lord, that we got something against a brother or sister When I say that, Lord, often the Holy Spirit will bring their picture to mind like it's a shining picture in the sky. So it's no secret sometimes, Lord, when we have something against a brother or sister. I pray, Lord, sometimes we think we're going to be slick and just not take communion and not do anything to correct that issue. I pray, Lord, that you would help the person who is tempted to do that, Lord, that they would feel guilt and understand that that is not a solution. To not take communion is not the solution. The solution is to stop sin, forsake sin, and to make things right. So help us, Lord, to make things right. You said in your word that we should observe this until you return. That's a command that you gave directly to us. And so I pray, Lord, that we would keep your command with a pure heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be (coughs) prepared. Um, for our communion tonight. So let's pray for the elements that we'll use. We're going to ask both Lawrence and Andy if they would pray. Uh, Lawrence, if you would pray for uh, what represents Jesus' body. And Andy, if you would pray for that which represents his blood. Lord, just thank you for us being able to be here tonight to celebrate um, ultimately the death that brings us life, Lord. We just thank you for the cracker that we're about to take, Lord, that, excuse me, that we, um, as we take it, we are reminded of the sacrifice that you had to go through in order for us to um, have this new life in you, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just lift up this um, juice as a symbol of the sacrifice you made for us. We just recently celebrated your birth, Lord, and that was that you began your ministry here and that led to the ultimate sacrifice you gave for us for our sins, that you became, um, as Pastor said, that sacrificial lamb, blood was um, spilled for us 
and for our redemption that only you could do, Lord, and it was your plan from the beginning, and we just praise you for that. Let's be mindful of it as we take this drink. In the name we pray. Be prepared. Would you come and use our first uh, our rows, first two rows on either side. does represent Jesus's body he took on a human body so that he would be a human savior Let's remember Christ as we eat together represents Jesus' blood. His blood was shed. Not just pain and suffering, but death resulted in that. He died. He was clearly dead on the cross. Roman soldiers made sure of that. They were professional torturers and executors. And they did both. And that was required by God for Jesus to suffer and die to pay for our sin. He did that willingly, not having it forced upon him, but willingly accepting that task from the Father. His blood is the payment for our salvation provides our redemption. We meditate, we reflect on the Lord Jesus Christ as we drink together. Communion is not just an individual matter. It's a corporate action we take together. Um, and when we come together, in fact, one of the things that Paul scolded Corinthians, they were, they were doing it too individualistically. They had no concern for each other as they took on the Lord's Supper. And so we're encouraged to remember that this is an act that we do together. I was just thinking, 
the last time we had communion, I think, was November the 3rd. And so um, a lot of things have happened since November 3rd. November 3rd, Beverly was still with us. November 3rd, we had no hint that Donna would be going into the hospital, would have <coughs> surgery. Um, it was before Thanksgiving, before Christmas, before New Year's, before Watch Night, before all of those things. And so our fellowship together is important. The last time that we did this together, so much has happened. And so we do this together to, to, um, to increase the bond that we have and recognizing that bond is ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what ties us together. That's what makes us brothers and sisters under God is because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will celebrate that for all of eternity. Jesus says, do this until he comes. And so we have done it for the first time in 2020. We look forward to it. We don't know the changes that we will go through each time and in between the times that we take communion, but we count it as precious to come as a family. Um, I don't know what your family traditions are, but I always count it a blessing. I have a family tradition every Sunday as I see my family. <laughs> They're here. I see my kids. I see my, my uh, 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 grandkids. I see them all together. And, and I enjoy that. That's a blessing. I don't know if anybody else has that kind of a privilege that I have. I know I'm blessed uh, to have that. But part of that tradition, I enjoy seeing family coming together. And that, that's precious to me any time that we can do that. And so it is, not just with our blood family, but with our Christ's blood family, that we count it precious any time that we come together. Um, and so um, count this time as precious and each time during this year that we take communion as precious because of what we have in common. Let's um, ask, going to ask Mac Hode if he would um, end our communion part and we're going to take a question or two um, then we'll close our service. So would you have prayer and just thank God for, for our communion today. We thank you Lord for the privilege that we can come to the table tonight Lord. We thank you for your precious blood in the body that you gave for that sacrifice, Lord. And, Lord, we just want to thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord, in 2020 already. I have two questions on one card, and uh, um, I've kind of, well, this has been in a batch that I've held onto for a while, but it's a very interesting question, the second one especially. First question is, um, are all future revelations from Satan? And it states, and this is in reference to all the New Year claims. So, repeat the question. Are all future revelations from Satan? This is in reference to all the New Year claims. So, this, this question may have been hold, held on to for about a year. <laughs> Um, and I think it's in reference to uh, people make predictions um, about what's going to happen in the year. And sometimes they startle us with how, how amazing, how close they can be to those 
uh, predictions or to, uh, to, to reality. Uh, some are vague and it's kind of like the um, Zodiac stuff, you know, telling you uh, you're going to find a friend this week and, you know, just, just stuff that I don't pay attention to. But I think the thing that, that's curious is that um, there are some predictions um, that can come close. Um, so the question would be, you know, you deal with psychic phenomenon. Do, does Satan know future? Does he know some of the future? Um, I think the, the answer is he knows some things. Uh, he's, not, he's not unlimited in his knowledge. He knows something. So this question is, are all future revelations or revelations about the future from Satan? Um, I think um, God gave to his prophets pictures and views of what would happen in the future, what was yet to, to happen and what would happen in the future. Um, some of that um, was, um, became scripture. And we can see some of that, other, other revelations perhaps weren't weighty kind of revelations, but God would just tell people what was going to happen in some small way. Um, and so the instruction in the New Testament is to weigh and to test those things. So don't just believe somebody in what they say, um, but, but to test it and see if it is true. If it's true to the word of God, and if it's true, if, if they say something that's true, then, then they, they won't be claimed, be, be, uh, claimed as a false prophet. So we, we still have that uh, weight to test uh, what people say. I will also warn you not to be alarmed even if you find things that are true. And to know this, the Word of God gives us all the revelation that we need. So we shouldn't be going to psychics. We shouldn't go to the people who claim to have some power to show us what's going to happen, whether it's palm readers or whatever. We do not need that. In fact, that is not something that God sanctions. They may tell you something that's, that's strong, that, that even seems to be true, but that's not what we trust in. God has hidden much of the future from us for a reason uh, and doesn't want us to trust in those who claim to be able to reveal things for our future. We are to trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Can I, can I just tack onto that or anybody else's <laughs> in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight so God admonishes us to trust in him and not some special revelation the um I think the 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 one who wrote this question says uh, acknowledges that there are some that come from Satan Satan can tell us something or tell people things that that uh, come out to be true I'm always uh, I'm always tickled at, at uh, you know, the psychics that are used to find murder mysteries and stuff. And, and I'm like, wow, well, so big deal. Satan, you know, influenced you to kill that person. And now he knows where you, he held, where you uh, hid the gun or hid the knife or whatever. And he can tell somebody that you hid it in this place. And they find it and they go, oh, how did he know that? Okay, I I'm really not amazed at that. Um, but, but that can happen, and that's true. So that's as much as I'll spend on this question. Now, I think the second question that 
is of interest, I'll just read it. How is Jesus from the bloodline? How is Jesus from the bloodline of Joseph when only Mary's lineage lineage would be true blood? Unless Mary and Joseph were blood related. Were they related? So the question is is one of bloodlines. And um why does it state that Jesus, and we, we read that lineage in Matthew, and it traces him from Abraham and David and back, and then it goes to, 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 to Joseph, and then it says Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. And so the question is, why does lineage trace back to the man when Joseph had nothing to do with the, uh, um, with the physical birth of Jesus. And so that, that's, a, that's an interesting, that's a good question. Um, I remember hearing some things uh, when I was in school just about that, saying that Matthew followed the lineage of Joseph and perhaps Luke or some others followed the lineage of Mary, but I didn't actually read that to be the case. Uh, we're not given a clear lineage of, of, of Mary through that. If we are, maybe somebody else can enlighten me. I didn't see it. Um, but you also know that in, uh, in that culture, uh, it's not the woman's line that was significant. It was the father's line. Not the mother, but the father's line that was significant. In fact, in Jesus' line were several who were not Israelites at all. We have Ruth, the Moabite. We have Rahab, the harlot, uh, who was not of, of Israel. Um, and so um, that, their line is, is, is only significant as they're tied to, to the man and, and there. So we know that Jesus was of, not of Joseph, but of the, uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And, and um, God calls Mary to conceive without any physical interaction at all. And so uh, we're not given a clear, um, as far as I know, we're not given a clear lineage of, of, uh, of Mary, um, even though... Um, we would, we, would know, we would see that she would follow uh, along in that same way. But we are given a clear lineage of, of Joseph and that Jesus is tied to Joseph as, as the stand-in human uh, a father representative and his line goes along with, that, um, with the, um, the promise that's given in the Old Testament. That's as far as I can go uh, with that question. Maybe someone else can, can take that farther or do some other research. So I'll, I'll keep that open if you have any other research or anything to add to that. Mm hmm I don't know if there's a biological reason for that. That's beyond my uh, scope. Somebody can enlighten me on that. I don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. In general, I would guess. No, it's not. So there's a difference between prediction and prophecy. Um, prediction is basically an educated guess. 
Um, we have predictions all the time. Our weather forecasts are predictions um, based on what's happening now. They project that if it continues this way, this is what's going to happen. So this storm that's in this region, if it continues with the wind uh, speed that it is and the other movements that are happening, we can track this this way if it stays the same. Of course, we know that they don't always get that right. But it's an educated uh, guess. We make predictions about the stock market. Here's a stock. We expect this one to stay stable, this one to go up, this to go down. And those are educated. Nothing wrong with that. They're, they're educated, and, and we know um, that they're, they're not with certainty. Um, but there are prophecies, and, and I love the, the biblical prophecies because they're not predictions. They are, there are so many startling prophecies in the Scripture that skeptics today always want to redate the prophecy. They want to say things like, well, um, the one who wrote Isaiah must have lived after this time, and he simply told the story after it happened. This is not true. God said, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you 800 years before it happens, and I'm going to get very specific as to what's going to happen. And that's what happened with, with um, the biblical prophecy. We see, we see detailed uh, prophecy and then we see it fulfilled to the very letter. And so that's, that's not just a prediction. That is God saying, I'm going to write about the event that hasn't happened yet in detail. So when it happens, you know I got it right. So, yeah. Anything else to ask or question about that? Yes, exactly. That's exactly true. Um, um, I forgot what I was going to say about that, but yeah, that, that's exactly right. Oh, I was going to say that um, Galatians talk about adoption, the adoption being the legal, um, uh, how we are. So uh, we are born of God, and yet we are adopted and have that legal representation of him as our, our father and we as his children. And so it covers, it covers all the bases. No, it doesn't, uh, but it, it has to do with right, legal right. And so you can make that claim legally he is here. Uh, lineage, we just don't know, on Mary, at least I don't know, on Mary's side. Not that it's not there. It's just that it hasn't been given, hasn't been, uh, it's, it's, it's been hidden from us in, in that view. All right, so I want to encourage your questions um, as we go, and like I can say I have, I have a stack of questions that we'll be getting through, and there's just good discussion for that, and uh, you can use the box in the back. Um, I haven't looked at that in a while, so if you put one in there, you might need to remind me to take a look, and uh, I'll uh, get to these questions. Yes. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The only thing I was saying is that, um, yes, his lineage is clear and is traced back very clearly in Scripture. And the only thing I'm commenting on is that I haven't seen the same trace on Mary's side. What does that mean? Just that we don't have it. Doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's not there or it's not right or it's not 
proper. It's just that we don't have it. We don't have to have it. Um, so, yeah. Question, comment? Yes. I saw a movie about that. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle, right. <laughs> That's the movie I was referring to. That's a joke. But yeah. Um, now, yeah, should, should we be surprised? Um, you know, some of the stuff I just don't have the time to waste my mind with. You know, it's just, I just don't. <laughs> uh, and you can find all kind of stuff like that on the, on the internet. And if you want to research and, and get to the end of it, you got a lot more patience and time than I have. Uh, it's just not important to me. Um, but, you know, would, would I be shocked? If, if Satan had the capacity to do some things, um, yeah, but I always reserve, I don't, I'm not going to marvel at anything that Satan does because he's a counterfeit. He always tries to mimic God. Remember the Isaiah 14, uh, Ezekiel uh, 14 um, statement, I will be like the Most High, I will do this. Is that Isaiah 28, 14? I think it is. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll find it if I can look for a second. But yeah, he, he wants to mimic God. And uh, it's the same, remember the uh, uh, Moses and uh, um, going before um, Pharaoh and Pharaoh getting his magicians and mimicking um, the rod that was uh, changed to a serpent. And so he wants to mimic. The question was, did he do that for real or was that a trick? Um, well, there's people who can do those tricks today. There's always a question with magic. Is it a trick? Is it deception of the eye, tricking the eye, or is it real power? Um, you know, um, I think Satan may do a little bit of both. But his his, his purpose and his object is to have people marvel at him. I just refuse to do that um, because I have a greater one to marvel at. That's the one who created and who has the real power and who has me and you in mind um, in, our, in our protection. So I'll marvel and worship him and him alone. All right, so let's, let's uh, close our time uh, together. Thank you for your comments, your, your discussion. And we'll continue with our questions. I see there was something important I was going to say about next week, and now I forgot it. Now I have to write it down. Beer. <laughs> Beer, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> All right. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for the um, communion that we shared. And we pray, Lord, that we would meditate uh, on you each day as we read your word and as we pray that we might be focused uh, on the journey that you have for us, trusting you in, every, in, in everything that we encounter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.